Hey there, I'm Jason Logston, and this is Making Bacon, all about helping you serve your fans, grow your income, and get the most out of your blog. Today, our guest is Kristen Evans. She's an affiliate marketing master. She knows more about affiliate marketing than she's forgotten more about affiliate marketing than most <laughs> people will ever know. And I'm really excited to have her on today because I think the information she has from dealing with affiliate marketing from both sides of the aisle can be a huge benefit to most of the bloggers out there. So welcome to Bacon Bacon, Kristen. Thank you, Jason. Great to be here. One question I like to start with, because we're all food bloggers, so our lives revolve around food a lot, is what does it typically look like around your dinner table? Oh, man, it's a mess. I have a three-year-old. So <laughs> <laughs> it's chaos. There's usually chicken nuggets and a lot of ketchup involved. But I also am a huge fan of food. I like to eat a lot. And so I have a very cool, very funky 1950s diner retro dining table that you can kind of see over here. I mean, I love to cook vegetables. It's one of my big things, but I love meat too. So I have a sparkling water and a still water and probably like a beer or a glass of wine because I like a fortress of beverages. <laughs> my kid still amazingly fits in his high chair and wants to sit in it. So I'm utilizing that as much as humanly possible to, you know, keep the chaos off the table. My husband sits across from me and then the three cats look on and we usually have a pretty well-rounded meal of whatever I've decided to dump into the crock pot um, or, you know, cook on the fly. My favorite meal, though, is roasted asparagus with a good Snake River Farm steak. My absolute number one favorite is a good glass of red wine. So I feel like anything goes really well with a good Snake River Farms steak. They are so good. I totally agree. I mean, I'm a little bit biased. They are my client, but I loved them before they were my clients. So let's <laughs> just go with that. <laughs> I really love hearing about how people get into blogging. I think everyone approaches it and kind of got into it in different ways and different life experiences. So I'd love to hear about before you became a master of affiliates, what did you do and how did you get into blogging? I started as a wedding blogger in 2010. I got engaged for the first time, planned my first wedding. I am now on husband number two, but this one's going to stick, you know, just need that starter wedding to get out of the way. Yep. <laughs> but I study journalism and writing in English have always kind of been my passion. I was working at a newspaper as a copy editor at the time, and I started reading wedding blogs, and I was like, oh my God, I could do this. I could totally do this, right? So one of the blogs that I was following, I noticed on Twitter, they were hiring. They needed a contributor, somebody to put together the real weddings that they featured on the site. And I was like, oh, I could do that. So I applied, got denied. And then about six to eight months later, they were looking for another features contributor and I applied again and they hired me. And then very shortly after that, they asked me to also come on board and do their ad sales. So that was actually a direct foray into affiliate marketing because I went to my first affiliate marketing conference within a year of working for that blog, just light bulb momented like it just clicked and I was like oh my god we could do this with the blog make money this way so I just dove right into it and we doubled the revenue for that blog year over year for three years running um, just with affiliate marketing which was incredible I went on to become the managing editor of the blog which I did and I ended up working there for about five years 
because of my understanding of affiliate marketing, I realized that other wedding bloggers didn't really have any any idea whatsoever about how to use affiliate marketing and how to diversify their income streams with it. And so I started working with them and teaching them how to do it. And then kind of time ran its course with the blog a little bit. I had my kid. I wanted to, you know, kind of step up. And the next logical step was for me to jump over to the agency side and start managing the relationship between bloggers and clients and kind of being that liaison. And so here we are. (laughs) When you were working with the wedding blog, was that full time or part time or how'd that since I know a lot of bloggers are looking for other sources of income, if they were looking at a similar situation, how did that work? So I started as part-time, like super, super part-time, and I was working at the newspaper full-time. So I was working literally all of the hours in the week. (laughs) I moved a couple times. I was working more full-time for the blog. Like it was definitely closer to 40 hours, but the money from it wasn't the kind of money that you can really, really live off of at that point in time. So I worked in the service industry alongside because it's, you know, the blog was really kind of taking up the nine to five hours. And then service industry is great because you can work after hours. So I I double wheeled and dealed for a while. And I got to the point where my now husband, he's like, why don't you just work on the blog? You know, I'm working a lot. He was bartending at the time and he was working enough that it really kind of made sense for me to work 100% on the blog and be able to increase the income that way. So I, in 2013, was the last time I worked a job outside of working from home. Congratulations. Thank you. Yeah. God, it's been a long time. It's been six (laughs) years. The income that I got, because I didn't own the blog, I was an employee at the blog. So all of the revenue was not mine. So it was never really enough for it to be a full-time, full-time job for me. But with the two incomes, it was enough for me to be able to do what I wanted to do. And I think my husband and I saw that career path. Like we knew that there was an end game. And, you know, I know a lot of bloggers are like, I'm going to blog forever. But there are other possibilities out there and it can lead to so many other cool things. Um, you know, I, I know people who are now writing like their third book, you know, and the blog was literally just a way for them to promote the first book. And, you know, the blog became kind of an empire, but blogging is what I think you can make of it. I think that, you know, if you want that to be end game, make it end game, you know, like really put your efforts into making it your business. If you want it to be a step, like if you want to end up landing a book deal or a TV deal or, you know, major sponsorships and collaborations, then make it that. It's yours. It's your property. Do with it what you want to do with it. The sky's the limit and you can go as far as you want to go um, as long as you really focus on that. Yeah, I feel like a lot of bloggers kind of get into trying to become a a successful blogger without thinking about what that means and what some of the different end steps are. A lot of bloggers try to just become successful bloggers and I don't think that they sit down and think, okay, there's different outcomes that, that I could accomplish. And if you're trying to become an affiliate marketer, or if you're trying to do a book deal, or if you want to be a brand ambassador, the content you put out should be different and directed towards those different audiences that you're actually trying to reach. It might not just be SEO research, trying to get random people off the internet. If you really want to work with upscale brands, you want to put out content that's going to draw them in. Right. And I agree with that. Um, I do think that regardless of the content. I mean, definitely SEO is king. Like you want to yes. make sure that you have content that's relevant and searchable and that people want to read. I also think that, you know, 
just because you want to be a brand ambassador and you're reaching out in those ways doesn't mean that you can't also use affiliate marketing um, and be an affiliate marketer. I think that's one of the great things about this industry and uh, the affiliate channel as a revenue stream is that it is literally the most organic way to monetize your content because you're already, especially food bloggers, like my goodness, like I feel like I had this conversation with every new food blogger that's like, Mm -hmm. oh my goodness, I can monetize content you know, that's not like a, an ambassadorship or a sponsored post. I'm like, yes, please. Like you're already talking about pots and pans. You're already talking about air fryers. You're already talking about steaks and avocado oil and like freaking spatulas, man. Like literally you're already discussing all of these things that people can go out and buy. So why wouldn't you monetize it? I mean, why are you leaving money on the table and just telling them to, you know, like just, you know, use stuff, use whatever, you know, have them make do, tell them what to buy. And, you know, then you're going to start making money that will help support your content and allow you to grow that blog so that you can look forward to being a brand ambassador or, you know, a a collaborator or whatever you want to be. You know, maybe it's a cooking segment on a TV show, like. There's plenty of opportunities there, but you have to grow and you have to support your business and, you know, you got to make money to support that business. So why not do it organically? Yeah, I think there's a lot of things you can do to your blog that bring money in that a lot of people have to put recurring time in over and over again, Mm -hmm. where I feel like affiliate marketing and selling some products, there's a few things like that that you can put out that once you set it up, it's going to stay there, which is one of the things I like. If you do want to be the face, you know, have your own food network TV show, you should be focusing a lot of your time on that. And you can set up something like affiliate marketing on your site and work it in organically that will continue to provide money to you as you're going towards this other goal versus doing sponsored posts or something that you're trading your time for cash, which you have to keep going. Otherwise, you stop getting paid. I mean, I've personally experienced as a blogger that you can make more with affiliate marketing in the long run than you can that one-time sponsored post. I mean, you know, if you sit down and you do a sponsored post and, you know, it takes you, say, two hours to draft the content, but it takes you like four hours of recipe development and then shooting and formatting and, you know, making sure that all your SEO is done and then post and then, you know, providing the review draft for the brand and then posting it and then doing all the social media and then doing the post reporting. Like we're looking at like 20 hours, you know, maybe for a good sponsored post and you're going to get what, 500 bucks for it? Like a thousand if you're lucky. I mean, sure, that's a great hit of cash for that one and done. But with affiliate marketing, like you already have content on your blog. You can go monetize that old content. Um, there's tools out there. One of my very favorite tools is a plugin for WordPress called Pretty Links. If you buy the pro version, and if anybody wants an affiliate link for that, I got one. <laughs> you can buy the pro version and they have a keyword and URL replacement options. So you can plug in the keyword, you can plug in the URL, and then you plug in the affiliate link that you want to override those keywords and those URLs. And it'll go back to your old content and do that. And it's not like using a subnetwork like uh, skim links or big links, which I know a lot of people like to use, but you're really leaving money on the table with them because they take a cut of the commission that you could be receiving if you work directly with a program instead. So you do have to do a little bit of work and there is a little bit of maintenance. 
it's not nearly as much as, you know, just having to get that money from the sponsored posts every time. And over time, like, when you put in those, you know, if you're testing things and you're really researching what's working for you, you can tap into what your customers are buying and really make that money work for you instead of you working for that money. Before we go too much further, because I've been doing affiliates for the last 10 years since I got started, basically, and I still get confused sometimes about all the different options out there. And I know Mm -hmm. some people listening and watching this are probably new to food blogging and like, okay, this sounds good, but what the heck is an affiliate? (laughs) It's like at its most basic level, what is an affiliate or an affiliate relationship? Okay, so the easiest way for me to describe it would be it's an introduction. So if you are reading Jason's blog, Amazing Food Made Easy, and you're like, oh, wow, that steak from Snake River Farms, that sounds great. I want to buy it. So Jason has a link for Snake River Farms on his blog, and you click on that link and you make a purchase. Jason's going to get a little commission from me that says, hey, thanks for introducing that customer to our brand. So as an affiliate manager, I manage the relationship between you, Jason, and Snake River Farms. I make sure that you get paid. I make sure that you're disclosing per FTC, which is like my huge sticking point. <laughs> I you know, make sure that your tracking is correct and that you're generally happy as an affiliate. But I'm also making sure for my client that your website's content is relevant for my clients and that you're not doing anything fraudulent, you're not betting on PPC terms, um, you know, that you're really just driving that traffic and getting new customers. And I'm also working with you to put the best content out there and to optimize your posts and your situation to make sure that like you're doing everything you can to make some money from my client. So that at its most basic level is the blogger makes the introduction to their reader for a brand. And then when the reader buys that brand's products through the blogger, the blogger gets a commission. And there's one thing I wanted to make really clear to the audience, and I know you're a big believer in this, that it's vital to be honest with your audience. And yeah. when I put out links to Snake River Farms, who I've worked with and I like their stuff, I say, hey, if you're looking for a good ribeye, I love the Snake River Farms one. Here is a link. And if you buy one through this link, I get some money back from them. I have built up trust with my readers and they know that I'm recommending it because I do believe in it because I don't recommend things that I don't believe. But building that trust and keeping that trust with your readers is one of the keys, regardless of how you're trying to monetize your blog, that your readers come with you because they believe in what you're saying. And with affiliates, it can be easy to find products that you've never tried or that you don't necessarily believe in to put out there. And that's the wrong way to go about it, I think. Is that safe to say you agree with that? I do. I, I think that you don't necessarily have to try every single product because, I mean, you might not have tried a certain brand of spatula, but you know, you're looking for a spatula to monetize. I do think that you should work with brands that you have some sort of trust factor with. I think that that's important for your audience credibility And one of the ways that we encourage all of our bloggers that we work with is to buy through your own link. Um, You can't do that with every single affiliate program, but with the programs that Apogee manages, we 100%, you know, we don't want to send you free products. We don't want to send you free products because there's no skin in the game for you and that you might have a misleading review because you feel obligated to post because you've gotten something for free. 
However, if you purchase it on your own, you're going to tell the honest truth. Like it might suck. We might not want you to post that, but it's going to be a real conversation. It's, you know, it's, it's, it's a conversation that's coming from a place of authenticity versus a place of obligation. So yes, I absolutely do think that you need to trust and have some sort of trusting relationship with a brand or product, but you also really need to build that trust with your readers and be clear with them that you are that there's a monetary relationship involved that it's it's comp- compensatory and i do get a lot of pushback from some bloggers who are like oh i feel like my readers are going to think i'm selling out and the one thing that i will say is that you're providing them content for free they're going to be okay with the fact that you want to make some money because you're not taking money directly out of their pocket. They are going to buy this product regardless, but it's better for you to have made that introduction and get a commission from the brand, not from the reader, but from the brand for making that introduction. And I, you know, one of the ways that I tell my affiliates to disclose is say, you know, I might earn money from this affiliate link. The commission helps me bring more great content. Make it personal. It's a lot easier, a lot easier to sway people to purchase from you if you say, you know, this is how I can keep doing this. Yeah, so. and I found, at least in my own experience and in most experiences from talking to bloggers that have tried to monetize, is that the fears of your audience saying, I'm not interested because you're a jerk for trying to make me pay for something is widely overblown. Mm -hmm. Most readers in today's world are savvy enough that they know bloggers need to make money Mm -hmm. and there's multiple ways to do it. And if you're gating your content and throwing up ads and saying you have to pay to do this or click on this to do it, that's annoying. Where if you're Mm -hmm. saying you're looking for a good steak, here's a good steak. I happen to get a cut out of it. If you purchase it, that's not in their face. It's not distracting them. It's something that's still providing value to your readers, which I think makes it a lot easier for them. And a lot of times I say, it's an affiliate link. I recommend them. If you don't want to use my link, great, go directly to their website because I still recommend the product. That's the thing is that your readers come to you for a reason. So of course they're going to buy from you. I mean, they want to help you. They, They already trust what you're doing. So make it easier for them to do that. You know, give them plenty of reason to buy from you and show them how, you know, give them a call to action. So one of the things when I'm trying to decide whether or not I should uh, have a link or promote a product is Mm -hmm. I picture that I got a email from my mother-in-law and she Mm -hmm. said, I'm looking for an X. What would you recommend? And I promote the things that I would feel comfortable writing back to my mother-in-law saying this. Like you said, it's not always something that I've always maybe done hands-on testing with or used myself, but I generally Mm -hmm. would make that clear. But if it comes from someone I know, someone I respect, I would feel comfortable sitting across at Thanksgiving dinner from this person (laughs) after recommending it. If you stick with that, you're not going to go wrong and your audience is going to really like your recommendations and you keep that trust with them. Absolutely. I think there are a few brands out there that kind of go without saying like, of course, I'm going to recommend a KitchenAid stand mixer, even if I've never used one. Don't worry, I have. (laughs) Or like, of course, when you, you know, recommend a Le Creuset Dutch oven or a Lodge cast iron, like these are names, these are household names. And that doesn't mean those kinds of things um, you don't necessarily have to have the hands on testing with because the brand recognition is already there. 
and brand recognition is a huge part of affiliate marketing. Like, you know, um, you want to really, especially if it's somebody that is smaller, a smaller brand that you're working with, like you want to get that brand in front of your audience's face with that kind of a recommendation so that they feel comfortable enough to purchase it. That was one of the things that happened with Sneaker Over Farms is it was really small, you know, for a while to begin with. And now it's insane. Like it's a great program. It's huge. They're in, you know, Michelin starred restaurants all over the country. If you haven't tried Snake River Farms, try it. Um, <laughs> but it was one of those kind of like, huh? And now it's like, oh yeah, Snake River Farms. Yeah. I mean, they deliver to a restaurant here in Texas and I'm like, yeah, it's my client. <laughs> yeah. I mean, brand recognition is huge. I mean, you know, that's how tiny brands get big and you know, you can be one of those stepping stones on the way um, and make money through it. I feel like pretty much everything else around affiliates is just how do you manage the process of promoting a company's product and making sure that you get paid. And there's several different methods, I think, that people can go about that. I figured we could hit a few of them. I know that you're a big believer in ad networks because that's a lot of what you do, but we can build to that, I think. Sure, I to sure. I wanted to start with one. This is different than the WordPress plugin you mentioned, but this mm. is, I'm not even sure the actual name of what they're called, but they're the text skimmers or link skimmers that they read through your blog posts and they automatically insert links to people they have relationships with. It's hands off for you, but they kind of take over some of your content. So I mentioned big links and scam links earlier. Um, those are two of those. Those are actually a sub network is that's, the industry terminology for them. So they are an affiliate and then they have their own sub network. Um, so they're an affiliate in my programs. Um, but you could be an affiliate in their sub network. Um, and it's a piece of code that you put on your site and it crawls your site and inserts those links. As you said, it's great for somebody who's time crunched, who's not really sure what they're doing. It's definitely a, a solution it's not my personal favorite solution because you are leaving money on the table. There is also a lack of transparency with a lot of those. You don't might not know exactly how much you're earning. You don't know how much how long the cookie length is for. A lot of bloggers who use that solution aren't 100% aware of like FTC regulations, so there's no way for me on the agency side, on the brand side to be able to monitor that. It's not an ideal solution, in my opinion, but it is, if you kind of want to test the waters and get started, it's not horrible, um, but you definitely stand to earn more by building that direct relationship, which is what we'll get to. <laughs> yeah. I wanted to unpack a few terms in there that you used. So yeah. the commission, what I'm sure everyone listening is thinking, okay, am I getting 10 cents per item or a thousand dollars per item and sure. commissions do vary but what is especially in the food industry what is a typical type of commission so i encourage my clients to um base their commission based off the average order value so those are two things that those are two metrics that go a little bit hand in hand because an average order value is obviously going to be about how much the average customer purchases, you know, the, the, commission the average is, customer at Trader Joe's is going to spend yeah. more than the average customer at Walmart or something. Right. So you could be surprised, you know, they could buy more at Walmart and spend more, but they're going to have more items. So that's not the kind of thing that necessarily comes into play with us. 
it's based off of the average order versus like how many items per order or whatever. So with Sneak River Farms, the default commission, I'm just going to keep using them as the example. <laughs> so with Sneak River Farms, the default commission is 7%, but the average order tends to hover around $315. So $2,205. Our affiliates earn an average of $22 per sale. That's a pretty decent commission. As an affiliate myself, I always look for one for the average order and the commission to equal at least $10 per sale. So I figure $10 is a good, nice round number, you know, like doesn't feel like chump change. Um, I've certainly been in programs where it's like, you've earned 23 cents for the sale. And I'm like, hey, (laughs) I can almost buy a newspaper. Oh, my goodness. (laughs) Yeah, it's like the only thing you can buy anymore. You can't even get gumball for that much. (laughs) So the commission is how much you're going to earn on an order. And it's usually presented in a percentage But there are programs that do a flat dollar amount. A lot of the meal kit delivery companies, we just picked one up called Real Eats. They do a flat amount of, I believe it's $20 per subscription. So the first subscription, you get paid $20. That's a good flat amount, right? So it's either going to be a dollar amount or it's going to be a percent for your commission. Now, as I said, a good commission should be based off the average order value because it would really suck to get like, 10 cents on a $115 average subscription order of real eats, you know? Um, so that's a metric that you should certainly look at when you're looking at affiliate programs. Nice. And you had talked about the cookie about mm-hmm. the, you might not know how long the cookie is set using some of these other, um, the, the link skimmers. What mm-hmm. can you explain exactly what that means? Yeah. So the cookie is a, a piece of something. (laughs) It's a piece of technology. This is a real technical term. There is drops in the browser, basically, that then tracks the relationship. So, you know, if you click on an affiliate link, the cookie drops, and then you have however long the cookie lasts for to make that purchase, and the affiliate get credit for it. That was not the clearest explanation. This will help a little bit more. A good cookie length is about 90 days. So if you're joining an affiliate program, you know, look at the cookie length. A really crappy cookie length is what Amazon does, which is a session cookie. I think if you have stuff in the cart or you add stuff to the cart and leave it sitting, it might be a little like a day. But in general, from the time that the browser is open to the time that the browser is closed, um, that specific browser window for Amazon after clicking on an affiliate link, that is all you get. So obviously a session cookie is much less desirable than a 90-day cookie. But anywhere generally from 30 to 90 days is a preferable cookie length. So that means if I write an article about cooking prime rib and I'm writing about Snake River Farms and it's around Christmas time and Mm -hmm. my readers follow the link, but they're like, well, I'm catching this two days before Christmas. I don't have time to order. But then it starts warming up and they say, I'd love to start doing some grilling. And they go back on Snake River Farms a few months later. I would still get credit for the commission for them purchasing something since it was still within the length of what the cookie is. Yep. As long as it's within the length of what the cookie is. And you're, um, the only way your readers are going to know um, is that you have disclosed on your blog. Um, there is a redirect with the initial link, but that's not something that the average consumer really looks at. As long as they purchase within the cookie window, then you get that commission. The majority of purchases happen within a 15-day window from original click to purchase. 
But that is also in a lot of networks, that's a metric that you can look at within your reports. Like you can actually see how long it takes for your readers to purchase from click to completion. So that's one of those things that as a data hound, I'm like, ooh, what's the return? (laughs) (laughs) So you mentioned Amazon. I feel like Amazon's one of the first affiliates that a lot of bloggers turn to. It's super easy to set up. They sell almost anything that's at least a physical utensil or tool of some kind. I've used Amazon. What are your thoughts in general that Amazon does well? And also there's a lot of negatives to using Amazon. So I have a huge love hate with Amazon because I am an Amazon affiliate. I do receive a paycheck from them every single month. It's kind of insane. Granted, some of the paychecks are like $12, so, you know, but I'm like, Hey, that's my like Netflix subscription for the month. It's fine. Um, and really quick, as opposed to like ad networks, where mm-hmm. if you go to Mediavine or Ad Thrive, you have to get rid of your old ad networks. With yeah. almost all affiliate programs, you can use There's not exclusivity. different mm-hmm. ones. So you can, yeah. Amazon not being the best doesn't mean that you should never use Amazon. It just right. means you don't want to use stop it sparingly. Yeah. yeah, use it sparingly. So Amazon. Yeah, I have a love hate with Amazon because obviously everybody shops Amazon. I mean, that is the go to. I just got a mattress delivered from Amazon for my kids room. Like, it's super easy, you know, and I mean, getting things in two days with Prime, like, it's kind of a no brainer for people to shop Amazon. The downfall with Amazon is that they have very, very, very strict terms and conditions for their affiliates called associates. Um, you're called an Amazon associate. You have to have your own disclaimer on your website that you are an associate of Amazon. You can only promote on certain like social media avenues. They are prone to lowering commission at any given time. I think the majority of us are making 1% on the majority of products at this point, but they're big. They're big, so they can do that. People still use them. People still earn money through them. So they are great for like, that random product that you just can't find a direct relationship for anywhere else. Um, They're absolutely fabulous for that. Um, However, I would recommend working through a regular affiliate network, share a sale, commission junction, impact, Rakuten, not my favorite, Awin, you know, I mean, there's a lot of other options. Anything that you sell on Amazon, there's very likely an affiliate program, a direct affiliate program where you're going to be earning about 10 to 20 times more based on purchases. So it's kind of, it's a little bit of a give and take. Amazon affiliate money is there if you, you know, really put it together, but the money from other programs can be there too, if you're willing to work on it. I always view Amazon as kind of the, it's like Google AdSense of affiliates that it's, if you don't have anything, it's quick and easy to set up and it's better than nothing and you can get it there right away. But you shouldn't be content there down the road. You should be looking to expand from it as much as you can. I mean, it's kind of like using a crappy blog platform too. You know, like it gets the job done, but are you really doing the best job that you can do? Use Amazon, but try to work on other things. You know, use it sparingly like you would too much spice on a good steak. (laughs) (laughs) So I feel like there was was this need for 
there's these companies that are trying to get their message out there. And there's these bloggers that want to work with these different companies. And I feel like that's kind of where ad networks came in. That's what I want to talk about next. That's what you work with a lot. That's where a lot of the higher commissions are. And it's still a very easy way to work with a lot of brands. You talked about share a sale and commission junction. And I think between the two of them, they work with 7,000 companies or something that it's, there's a lot of different variety out there. Um, can you talk a little bit about what the, the benefits of going, going with an ad network and a, what makes a good ad network? So one of the benefits of working through an affiliate network, such as Ferrisail or Commission Junction, is that there's policing and monitoring. It's it's where every all of the relationships kind of live. And the network ensures that affiliates get paid. The network ensures that brands aren't cheating people. Um, and also that affiliates aren't cheating brands. It's really just kind of it's a good home where everything is regulated. So a brand has to build like an escrow account within a network. And so that means that they have an account that has to have money in it. And when they dip below a certain amount, affiliates are alerted, are alerted that the brand has low funds. And if they go to zero, then the brand could go offline, which would break the affiliate links. Obviously, that's a very poor relationship. You don't want to have that happen a whole lot because you have to replace the links and it's disgusting. So the networks ensure that the brand has the money to pay the affiliates. And then when it comes time, say on the 20th of the month, share sale locks the transactions after however long the return day is. Um, so, you know, 30 to 60 days usually to allow times for returns or, you know, order changes or whatever the network locks the transaction and then the affiliate gets paid the money and that money comes out of the brand's escrow account. So they manage the monetary relationship. Then they also manage the basic linking up relationship. Like I can recruit affiliates internally and be like, Oh, you know, I know that they're in share sale. I can look them up in share sale and make sure that they're a good fit for my site as opposed to you know, having to send a thousand random emails. I can, look for people that are already using affiliate marketing and bring them into our programs. Likewise, affiliates can log into share in the sale and be like, I want to work with, you know, this vertical. I want to work in food and gourmet and be able to look for those programs and suss out which ones have the best kind of metric because there's a number of metrics, a commission and cookie length or two that we've already discussed. Average order value is another one, but you can look at it. You can look at the terms and conditions and decide whether you want to join that program or not. Um, so it gives you a lot of autonomy, um, while also ensuring that, um, all of the right rules and regulations and payments are in place. So a blogger would go to say share a sale, they'd create mm -hmm. an account there and then yeah. they could look at the merchants, the brands that share a sale has in their network and they could apply to work with multiple yes. of those brands and then they could put out affiliate links to them. Correct. Yes. Yes. And all of those links and creatives are found within ShareSale. So you just would go to, I believe it's merchants get links and then find the merchant that you want to work with and then just choose the link based off of that. Um, so ShareSale, as I said, is kind of the house. It's like, it's basically like a hotel 
for everybody. And, you know, we all meet down in the lobby bar and, you know, getting those links and payments and building those relationships. ShareSale is my favorite network, both as a blogger and as an affiliate manager. I think that it is the best to use. They've always been very blogger friendly. And there's a lot of really good brands that are represented there. I have a probably different question than you talk about a lot with affiliates, especially with food bloggers. One of the things I talk about a lot is creating your own products for food bloggers to help serve their fans and make some money. Are affiliate networks for if I have cookbooks out or if I have products that are self-published or that I'm selling, is there, do you recommend going with an affiliate network for as me being a brand, not as a food blogger? So That question would entirely depend on how much revenue you're making and how much you stand to make with those products. The easy answer is yes. The real answer is it's a little bit complicated because certainly for brands, there are the network fee and then there's transaction fees. So you want to make sure that you're driving enough volume to cover that. I mean, just business 101. However, there are other platforms that are available that are considerably cheaper to start with. I don't necessarily recommend them for a super long term, but, you know, Refersion is a good platform. It's affordable. It's definitely where some smaller businesses have gotten their start monetizing. I have been a part of a couple programs on Refersion. Um, Post Affiliate Pro is another one. So you could definitely start there where it's more affordable. But I know, I mean, as a maker, that's definitely a great way to get your products out there. Um, and it's, you know, I mean, marketing, who's, who's a better marketer than other bloggers, you know, bloggers love to recommend other bloggers stuff. So, um, I, I think it's a great idea. Um, and I think that, that people who make absolutely should have affiliate programs, but I definitely think that you need to use a platform that's going to help make it less of a headache for you. Something that uses real tracking and allows affiliates as well as brands to get in there and actually look at stats and numbers and data, be able to, you know, have that conversation if something looks off, because I think that's super important. (laughs) That makes a lot of sense. And as a brand, I'm always looking for ways to get it out there. I put out Mm -hmm. some sous vide courses and I have affiliates through Teachable, which is the platform Mm -hmm. that I use to sell the course, but I'm always interested in, especially digital products. You can offer obviously higher commissions because it's each sale is basically free where Snake River Farms has to grow an entire cow before they ship it to someone. (laughs) So they can't, they can't give you a huge chunk of the profit. It's true. It's true. Yeah. I, I mean, definitely as a maker, you should have whatever you provide, try to have an affiliate program for that because, you know, people love to make money and people love to recommend things. People love to buy things that people recommend. So if you can combine all of that and, you know, get the most money for it, do it. Obviously you have to pay out a little bit, but if you have, if the margins are there, I mean, there's no reason not to. Yeah. I'm always happy paying commissions because it's normally to an audience that would never have heard about my product to start with. So Mm -hmm. it's, yeah, I might be getting, paying someone 20% or 5%, depending what the commission is, but that's 20% off of something that I never would have gotten in the first place if I wasn't working with affiliates. One of the ways that I tend to earn money is with conferences who have affiliate programs. I mean, in my mind, it's totally brilliant, you know, because like this is my marketing mind where I'm like, 
Of course. Like you want new people attending your conference. Why wouldn't you have an affiliate program for that, right? I am attending Plaid Street coming up, formerly known as Type A Parent, which I think I've discussed with you before, Jason. Great conference. Totally have an affiliate link for it. People can totally buy through my link and it works. Same thing with Affiliate Summit, which is another conference that I attend regularly and speak at regularly. I promote both of those on my blog that talks about affiliate marketing because they're great places to learn about affiliate marketing. So, you know, that's one thing that like, Every conference I attend, I'm like, do they have an affiliate program? (laughs) They should. They should have. (laughs) So there's lots of tools we've been talking about for actually working with companies and these different ad networks or the sub networks. Mm -hmm. But is there anything to prevent me from going up to a company myself and trying to do an affiliate relationship? Like I'm in sous vide and a lot of the people that I write for our professional chefs. And mm-hmm. a lot of the sous vide companies aren't in affiliate networks because they're selling a $2,000 circulator to a head executive chef at a restaurant and they're selling one or two here and there. They're not in mass market. Can sure. I just call one of them up and say, if I sell your $3,000 machine, can I get a cut of it? Or how would you go about that? So you absolutely can do that. Would definitely recommend like if you work with a company say like KitchenAid, who does have an affiliate program, but let's say that they didn't. If you work with a company that you know people are buying, like regular everyday people, and they don't have an affiliate program, and you feel like you know bloggers would talk about them and people would buy, absolutely recommend that they start an affiliate program. And if they ever need somebody to talk to, tell them to come talk to Apogee. (laughs) We, We love getting referrals. We have a roster of, let's see, nine... 10, nine food clients. You know, that's one of our big areas. I manage all of the food clients. So tell them to come talk to us. Anybody that you know that thinks that you think they should have a program, we'd be happy to chat with them. Um, We also provide a lot of education on both the merchant side and the affiliate side about like, hey, this is why you should have an affiliate program or this is why you should become an affiliate um, because it's a good thing for everyone. (laughs) Definitely makes a lot of sense from a brand standpoint, and it's really valuable for bloggers to have an additional source of income that you're promoting things that you really do believe in. What tips do you have for, so let's say a blogger has picked out some products, they're interested in promoting, they believe in these, and they want to share them with their audience, and they're doing it with a mind towards maximizing their affiliate income. How would you recommend approaching getting those products out there to their readers? Are there specific blog posts or social media or newsletters or how would you go about it? I have so many ideas for this. Um, <laughs> so first, look at look at the content that you've already written that might mention those products. Um, you know, and it doesn't have to be the actual brand name of the product. You can definitely use a keyword. So instead of saying you know, KitchenAid stand mixer, you could say your mixer and populate that with your KitchenAid stand mixer link. So look at the content that's already driving traffic that people are already reading and it's already got, you know, any SEO ranking and go ahead and monetize that. But then create new content as well and keep that. This is where you switch from thinking like a blogger to thinking like an affiliate. Like how specifically can I get this link in front of my readers so it entices them to buy? You want to use what's called a call to action. So if you're writing about Snake River Farm Steaks, you know, you're saying, I bought this tri-tip from Snake River Farms. 
click here to get yours. And that is called the call to action. Like you're telling your reader what to do. You should be using that in a couple different forms throughout your post. You can have, you know, highlighted banners. You can use actual banners interstitially within the post to create that brand recognition, linking keywords, you know, just making sure that like, it's not just, you know, try a tip from Snake River Farms, say steak, say beef, you know, use those keywords that bring to mind the product that people are going to buy and link those keywords in addition to the brand names. You shouldn't only have one or two links per post. You should have a number of links in your post and for different products. That's the great thing about affiliate marketing. It's, it's not exclusive. <laughs> Absolutely use your newsletter. Next to your blog, your newsletter is your biggest property. Build your list. Utilize that. You own your newsletter. So you know, put links in there, uh, do roundups of content that you've been creating throughout the week and put affiliate links in there. You know, this week focused on using Snake River Farms and ThermaWorks, KitchenAid, and put the affiliate links in there as well as the links back to the posts. That's just really kind of doubling down on that. Use images, you know, whether it's your own images or if it's lifestyle images that you pull from um, from the affiliate network. Snake River Farms has a ton of lifestyle images because not everybody can get their hands on the product, so they use the images that we provide. You can hotlink those images so that they have your affiliate link because people tend, if you do a heat map study on your site, people tend to click on images. So if you put your affiliate link on those images, you're going to lead them back to Sneaker River Farms and that cookie is going to drop. And then absolutely always share your posts and your content on social media, but do not rely on that to drive sales. Rely on social media to drive uh, traffic back to your site which is where your sales should be dri driven through, um, your site and your newsletter. The reason why social media should not be used is, A, because just like Amazon, they get real funky with terms and conditions and will, are you know on a whim to change whenever they want. Some bloggers might remember eight or nine years ago when Pinterest decided to suddenly disallow affiliate links. They just cut them off. All, they were all dead links. The pins were dead. And then about... Two or three years later, they're like, oh, never mind. You can use affiliate links again. But during that time, and this is when I was wedding blogging and like, man, weddings and Pinterest, like there's literally no better marriage. It was absolute murder for a lot of wedding bloggers to have those affiliate links stripped. But you don't own your social media sites. Like, it might have your name and your photo on it. It's not yours. So monetize what you can control and use everything else to drive traffic back to your site and build brand recognition for yourself. Of course, tell your friends and family to buy through your own links. <laughs> <laughs> I've definitely found that roundup posts are really good. I've mm -hmm. done a lot of those comparing. So there's uh, there's a lot of different meat purveyors online, some of which are very good quality as well. So doing a roundup talking about the different companies there and the benefits that each different company has or your favorite steak at a specific one is a really good way to, uh, I think, highlight different affiliates as well as kind of build that trust with your readers. You're not saying you should just buy this specific one. You're saying, here's my opinion on a lot of different things. And most of the people reading that, like you're not going to read a comparison of ribeye steaks unless you're probably in the market to buy a ribeye right. steak. It's, mm -hmm. I mean, I might read it for fun because I'm weird, but most people. <laughs> I mean, me too, but let's be real. <laughs> yeah, roundup posts, man. When in my early days of blogging and using affiliate marketing, that was the very first way I started seeing a lot of money come through. 
was the roundup post because you can use a number of different brands. You can do a comparison post with wedding blogging. I would do, you know, 15 dresses under $500, you know, and where you can buy them and just include all affiliate links. You know, you obviously you can do the same thing with food, any sort of food. You could do your favorite kitchen tools. I mean, there's the sky's the limit with roundup posts. And the great thing about those is that's evergreen content. That is something that you can reshare on social media till the cows come home and people are always going to read it. That's the kind of thing that ranks really well in the search engines. That is the kind of content that people actively search out. So roundup posts are great. The other one that is one of my very favorite is gift guides. And when people think of gift guides, they tend to only think of the holiday season, but you can create gift guides for literally anything like birthdays, graduation, Father's Day, Mother's Day, shoot, you could do a freaking 4th of July gift guide if you wanted to, you know, like whatever. Um, You could do like bachelorette party or bachelor party or engagement party gift guides. You know, the kind of thing that, I mean, a bachelor party gift guide, a food blogger could do no problem and have that completely centered around spices and steaks and men's aprons and, you know, grilling tools and grills and like, There's so much that you could do, you know, really, really think outside of the box. Um, And even with holiday gift guides, like don't just do like mom, dad, bro, sis, like do, you know, the meat lovers gift guide, the chocolate lovers gift guide, the wine lovers gift guide, you know, really center it around the kind of things that you know your audience loves and make it niche, like make it super, you know, the feminist doctor who gift guide, if you really (laughs) want to, you know, go out there. There are so many opportunities and the more you tap into your audience and what they love, which you can do just by looking at your Google Analytics, the more you tap into your audience, the more you're going to be able to create content that is going to have them keep coming back and also recommending it to their friends. I feel like equipment reviews are also really big or not even, I mean, reviews are very big, but if you can find equipment, say you write about uh, Italian food and you make some of your own pasta and you use the KitchenAid mixer, even mm-hmm. if you don't normally use the KitchenAid mixer, but you have used it and you believe in it, you could say, here's how you make like my grandma's fresh pasta. And if you want to speed up the process, you can use the KitchenAid pasta rollers. It's a lot faster. I prefer to do it by hand because I have the time and I'm fancy like that. It reminds me of my grandma, but you might want to speed it up. Here's a link to buy the pasta attachments if you already have a KitchenAid mixer. Yep. So that, and then another way we have a scone client, seven sister scones um, out of Atlanta. They're incredible. One of the ways that I've been seeing some bloggers be really successful is they'll share their own scone recipe and they'll be like, this is how you make it. Or you can buy from Seven Sister Scones and they'll include their affiliate link. I do the same thing with, you know, I have a post on how to migrate from Squarespace to WordPress where I walk you through all of it or you can hire this company to do it for you. So really kind of tapping into like, man, somebody really wants this recipe or this, you know, needs this process done quickly. You can show them how to do it or you can show them how to do it like the super duper simple way, just like the stand mixer versus, you know, hand rolling everything. Providing a solution is a really good way to increase conversions. Yeah, I think identifying those problems that people are having and making it easier on them is a great way to do it. Absolutely. 
similar to gift guides, but not just the gift aspects. I think you can look at different events people would plan, like using your scones. If you write a baking blog, you could easily have a blog post that was, how do you throw a proper English tea? Mm -hmm. And you have a link to the scones. You have a link to um, some plates that you really like that are you know, not too expensive, but they're going to um, make it look a little fancier. Have a link to a few of your recipes, a few other affiliate links that are, what would you need if you're going to have some people over to throw either an, an NFL Sunday party or a proper tea party or a yeah. children's craft party? You can yeah. find affiliate links outside of just the food or tools. I think if you can go buy them together, people go, oh, this is a really cool idea that I could easily do myself now by clicking these links to get to good yeah. products. So one of the things that I always like to tell people to keep in mind is if it's a service or a product, there's a link for it. And I, I mean, that's just a completely true thing. You know, if, if it's something that can be done for you or that you can purchase, there is an affiliate link for it and you should absolutely be using that affiliate link. And especially those kinds of posts, like you don't have to get your hands on everything, you know, those decorations from Party City, like just link to them. It's not, you know, you're not sitting there and like staking your life on a recommendation of that. You're just saying, hey, this is where you can get this. People can make up their own minds. It's a very good point that if you're recommending a $300 piece of equipment, you might want to have be more familiar with it than if you're yeah. recommending. These are some good paper plates if you're having a bunch of kids over. Right. Like, right. People aren't going to care too much if they're not the best $3 plates they've right. ever had. And I mean, some people are like, oh, well, I have to try everything. I'm like, great, buy it. Use your own money to buy it. <laughs> I mean, if you really need to try it in order to earn the money for it, then earn your money back, you know? And I know that that seems like kind of a harsh way to look at it. But as I was saying earlier, like the most honest, real content is this one are the ones that uh, affiliates have put their own skin in the game, you know, and really are coming up with genuine feelings and conversations about the product. Um, if it's something that does need to be tested and tried. And I have some affiliates who are like, I don't want you to send me free product. I want to buy it myself so that it's the most honest it can be. And I'm like, great. <laughs> <laughs> You're my favorite right now. <laughs> a lot of brands also tend to offer some discounts to their affiliates, which I found if you can advertise them in newsletters can be a good way to kind of have timely content. Is that something that some of your brands do? We encourage pretty much all of our clients to offer some sort of new deal, at least monthly. Obviously not all of them do that, but it's definitely, I know Snake River Farms does an almost weekly deal. Um, and that has, that's something that has made them very successful is, you know, they have something new, they have fresh content that you, you can put out because they always have these screaming new deals. Sometimes it's a bundle deal. Sometimes it's, you know, a BOGO, um, whatever, but the brands that provide a reason for you to talk about them tend to do better. So if you are joining an affiliate program and you don't see any deals available, email your affiliate manager. See if there if there's anything coming down the pipeline, if there's any heads up. More importantly than that, though, read your newsletters. You know, affiliate managers put together newsletters, the good ones do, not to toot my own horn or anything. <laughs> Good affiliate managers send out newsletters with regularity. I send them out at least monthly for my programs. But in those newsletters, 
you'll find any applicable discounts, any news, you know, if there's a rebrand or if there's new creatives available. Oftentimes, we'll talk about what's selling best or what's hot for the season. And then some insights. I always try to include, you know, I had an affiliate make this much last month or the average order last month was this this month. So affiliates were earning an average of this month in commission or this much in commission. But we had one affiliate who drove $2,500 in sales and earned this much in commission, you know, like give you an idea of how much you could really be making. But those newsletters are intended to be educational so that you know what kind of content is a great idea to create at this point. We talk to our brands and talk to our clients to figure out like, Okay, what's going on this month? What can we push for affiliates? So it's intended just for your purposes. It doesn't do us any good. Um, It's all for affiliates. So read those. I do feel like it's a symbiotic relationship that it is. The brands really want the bloggers to do good because it's good for the brands. It's a lot. Both sides are kind of on the same team, which isn't always the same case in a lot of business dealings. Absolutely. And another place to, uh, to get information is see if the agency, so not every single affiliate program is run by an agency, but if it is, see if they have a Facebook page because, or a Facebook group. So Apogee has a Facebook group specifically for our affiliates. We not only share like when the newsletters go out, but we also share new client announcements in there. We share any agency wide announcements that are relevant as well as any like flash deals that happen that we don't have time to get the newsletters out for. It's also a really good place to ask questions and gain educational insights. Facebook groups and newsletters are two huge ways to learn how to be a better affiliate marketer. So we talked a lot about being honest with your readers and making sure that you tell them what's going on. But more than just being honest with them, there are legal laws about what you have to do to be in compliance. Otherwise, you're breaking the law. Can you talk a little bit about what that is and what bloggers need to know? Yes, absolutely. So this is literally like my favorite subject to talk about. I'm kind of a bulldog when it comes to it. I have been known to call out really big brands just under my own personal accounts and being like, why aren't you? FTC disclosure. It is it is a thing. It is a thing that you have to do. You need to follow the rules. They have started coming down on influencers and also brands for not disclosing properly. Literally, all you have to say is, if you purchase through the links in this post, I may make money, period, the end. It doesn't have to be anything more than that. It doesn't have to be affiliate links. Actually, the FGC specifically says that just using the term affiliate is not clear enough um, because most people don't understand what affiliate is. The FTC does say that all disclosures need to be at the top of the post and it needs to be clear and conspicuous and you can't just have a static one over in your sidebar. It has to actually be on the post itself. Same thing on social media. On social media, just add. The word add is fine, especially on Facebook because if you use hashtag add, it triggers the handshake tool, which you absolutely should not use. And I, again, can provide way more information on that than we probably have time for. Natural language disclosure is the most easy and concise way to do it, but also the most enticing way for your audience to realize that, you know, hey, I'm sharing this link, but if you purchase through this link, I may make a commission. I think on my site, I use a plugin called the F- Type A FTC plugin, and it's a short code that just 
automatically puts it everything at the very top of all of my posts. I use the same wording on all my posts and it's easy. You should do it. You shouldn't, sh- not should do it, but you have to do it. But yeah, the FTC a couple years ago, and you can just Google FTC Twitter chat and it should come up with like the influencer and affiliate information, but it has to be clear and conspicuous, has to be, you know, as close to the top or at the top. It has to disclose that there's a monetary relationship. Um, and that also includes whether, you know, if you're staying at a hotel and it was a hosted um, event, if you got free entry into an event, if you got free product, as long as there is some sort of compensatory or monetary relationship, it needs to be disclosed. Now, if you bought the product and you're talking about it and not including affiliate links or any other kind of sponsored links, you don't have to disclose that. If you got the product for free, you need to disclose that. If it's a sponsored post, you need to disclose that. If you were receiving anything as a result of posting, you have to disclose it. But you can, as I said, just use simple natural language disclosure and just make life easy on yourself. (laughs) As an affiliate manager, I do look at my blogs regularly um, or at my bloggers posts regularly and tell them that they need to include the FTC disclosure. And if they don't, we will kick them out of the program. I'm a bulldog when it comes to this. The nicest bulldog you'll ever meet, but a bulldog. <laughs> Most bulldogs I mean, are. <laughs> yeah, there's no excuse for not disclosing. It's necessary, but it it levels the playing field. You know, everybody should play by the rules. I know not everybody does, but everybody should play by the rules. And you might as well, you know, start by doing it correctly, then risk losing money later. I always put one definitely at the top of the post. And then if it is something that I got the product for free or that I've worked with the brand, I always say in the first paragraph or two of the blog post itself, I will say when, you know, when I was working with Snake River Farms, they hired me to come on and do a video for them and they sent me some free product and here's the video and here's the free product and I'm going to be talking about it. That's perfect. It's great context for my readers. Like it's being upfront and honest with them and, Again, that's what I would tell my mother-in-law. Yeah. It's, you want to be honest with them and build that rapport with your with your readers. And I think that helps your, your website go a lot longer and will help your affiliate sales because your readers trust you. As we mentioned earlier, you can word it in a way so that it helps your readers understand that by clicking through the links, they're supporting your site. And you don't have to look at disclosure as a daunting thing. You can use it to your advantage to help increase your conversions. I know one person that they write a comic and at the bottom they say, and always here's my Amazon affiliate links. If you are buying anything this week on Amazon, would you click on my link? Because it'll give me you know, 50 cents off of yep. whatever you buy. And, yeah. and it's not, they don't even point to specific products and yeah. they're just upfront that if, if you want to give me a tip, here's a good way to do it. That will cost you zero. Yeah. I've, whenever prime day rolls around, I'm like, Hey, you're shopping Amazon. Feel free to shop through my link where I will get a good commission. But since you're shopping anyway, and every year, no fail, my Amazon sales go way up. So, I mean, yeah, use it to your advantage as a blogger, you know, allow yourself to make money, allow yourself to look at your blog as a business and don't be afraid to use affiliate marketing as that way you make money or one of the ways. (laughs) So if a brand or specifically, or also bloggers are interested in working with you, learning more about what Apogee does, what some of your brands are, want to boost their affiliates, Mm-hmm. How do they get a hold of you? 
apogeeagency.com. So A-P-O-G-E-E-A-G-E-N-C-Y.com is our website. Our entire client list is on that site. You can also just email me, Kristen at apogeeagency.com, C-H-R-I-S-T-E-N, and then same thing with Apogee Agency. And I speak at some food conferences. I will be hopefully attending both Everything Food as well as IFBC next year. So you can always hunt me down at those. If you want to talk to me on social media, uh, I am the only Chris 10, as in the number 10. And yeah, email me, holler at me. I love talking about affiliate marketing. I love helping bloggers use affiliate marketing. And I really love it when bloggers join my programs and then start making money. (laughs) (laughs) Well, thank you so much for coming on. I think this was a lot of great information about affiliates and I think it's going to really help our audience. I really appreciate it. Yeah. Thank you for having me, Jason. I appreciate it. So this has been Making Bacon. We're all about helping you serve your fans, grow your income and get the most out of your blog. Talk to you next time.